Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome to Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets episode, I believe it's 119. I'm broadcasting from Mexico and joined in studio with... Andy Rappernard. Michael. Also phoning in, and I'm sorry, I stepped right on. Go ahead, Michael. Okay. Mike Gelfan. And finally... And Doug Sprinthal. I got Why do I have to intro you? I just, it really it hurts me deeply. I'm so sorry. It'll be better after we get done with this quick commercial break. We'll be right back. <laughs> Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant. What's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether or not you decide you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy (laughs) if i'm hanging out with you Uh, maybe (laughs) okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant We are back with Car Selling Secrets, and I think what we should start out with is probably a follow-up to the first hour. I, I think that we kind of, we, it was so interesting, and we cut that short. Tom, what do you think of this guy? I really like his position because he, he's not about being a politician. I am sick to death of politicians, and I don't care what breed they are. They can be uh, Republicans. They can be Democrats. I'm sick to death. It's all just a big money hunt now. It's driving me nuts, and he just wants to serve. Um, Mike brought up some stuff. You brought up some stuff. Andy brought up stuff, uh, and he was very clear and concise. He didn't, you know, beat around the bush and go, "Well, let me uh, let me get back to you on that one." I mean, he didn't do any of that stuff. I, I love that. Yeah, yeah you know, he did seem pretty normal, and I think Hutch had that same kind of persona. I think when he yeah, was running I thought so. in, you know, in his term as well. It's I think most people are really disappointed that. Um, his uh, that it turned out the way that it did, certainly. Yeah, but I, I just want to put this in a little bit of political perspective, and that is that, you know, this the sheriff's office has been in the past, not, not with Hutch, but before that, pretty highly politicized. Yes, no doubt. But, but the constituency of Hennepin County has changed so much that it's going to attract uh, it's going to attract uh, a different kind of, uh, of sheriff. You, you, you just can't you just can't be that that political and get elected right now, Good. which is a great thing. It is. It's a great thing. You're absolutely right about that. I uh, like. I, oh, let me let me go back and just tell that Boris story one more time. He's talking about a guy that I went to high school with. 
Um, and he moved from Panama to North Minneapolis, went to North High School, and uh, and they were and we were in health class, and they were showing some stuff on, uh, you know, like I, I said, reel to reel uh, projector, and is up on the screen. And Boris could not speak English very well, but he thought he'd join in by telling them to focus the uh, camera, right? And he started yelling, fuck us, fuck us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And everybody in class just fell apart. It was, I will never forget. Minneapolis is the largest small town in the world. Because I've heard you tell that story over the years on the morning show. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. then we interview a guy who's uh, running to become sheriff of Hennepin County, and, and he knows him. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what are the I, I, what, and then he brings up the corner of, of Lindale and Broadway, where my mother worked for 35 years. I, I just, it was wonderful. I love, great memories for me, man. It was just, a, I, I really enjoyed that. I'll tell you a funny story about Broadway. This had to be, well, it was before my son was born, so it was, I don't know, probably mid-90s or so. I'm playing in a Weekend Warrior classic rock band, and we're playing at the 4th Street Saloon. You know where that is, right? Absolutely. Yeah, third set, uh, the front man of the band decides to open up with brown sugar. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Happily enough, all the patrons were so inebriated by eleven o'clock that they didn't really care and didn't really see the the uh, <laughs> the, the irony of playing that song in that neighborhood. That is pretty funny, actually. I don't know. I just I really wish that we could just get to a point where somebody could agree on something and just let's go forward. Could we just try to do it all together instead of arguing and fighting over every damn thing there is to argue and fight over? You know, and I mentioned this when I asked him the question, but this Apple documentary about 1971 is really interesting. And I remember, you know, I was a little young then in 71, but I remember the revolution will not be televised. But I, right. I had no idea that he wrote a song called No Knock in 1971. Oh, and it's sure. exactly the same stuff that we're talking about today. Yeah, it's pretty damn amazing. I, you know, it would be nice if we could make uh, steps forward. That'd be very, very sweet. But yeah, no know. kidding. You should watch that. I, both of you. I mean, it's really your era. That's when you guys came of age, and it's uh, it's it's funny because I was younger then, and I remember some of it, but I don't remember everything. There was a big mm-hmm. section about Angela Davis, and I knew who she was, and remember the Afro. I didn't remember that she had this sort of weird squeaky voice that did not match the body at all. I mean, she's like the Mike Tyson of, uh, of counter-protesters. <laughs> the Mike Tyson of counter-protesting. I like that. You know that what I mean. Me. I mean, she's like, no, yeah, I don't we shouldn't do this. It's like, cool. That's, that's yeah. not something we should be doing. Yeah. You are correct. Absolutely. Well, she was but, almost disarming until you actually parsed out what she was saying. Well, that's true. A very good point. But yeah, I just, uh, hey, if we get more people elected that don't kiss ass on one side and completely pee all over the other one, I'd really appreciate it. And it's happening from both angles, both sides. And I'm, I personally am sick yeah. to death of it. Right? Well, no, I'm not worried are, about the Sponzo police because what's after that? The strudel cops? Yeah, I, I thought, that, you know, when I, when I heard she said that, I thought it was meant to be a a, 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 a anti-Hispanic thing. 
Yeah, get the gazpacho police. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that's what she was getting at. I, I didn't. It didn't even occur to me that she. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I didn't think even she could be that stupid. <laughs> well, you were wrong. You were absolutely wrong. So what can I tell you, man? What well, can I say? Yeah, well, they're going to give her all her committees back. Oh, they they are. Yeah, she'll she'll be a member of good standing. Well, that's according to Matt Gates, who of course may not be uh, in the House of Representatives much longer. Didn't he date like why a seventeen-year-old or something? Why do you think that, Mike? Mm-hmm. Why do I think uh, that he won't be? That, yeah. Well, I mean, I think they they it it has seemed for a while that they've got the goods on Gates that you know that he after all it was it was. Uh, it was one of one of the women who I think he supposedly, well, who was supposedly, let's just say, was involved in this uh, this illicit sex ring, if you want to call it, uh, and knew all about him dating the seventeen-year-old, or you know, if you call it dating, paying for her services. But you know, she she already she already dropped the dime on him. Uh, she spoke to the grand jury, and so no, she I had get to. That. Be, and I, I guess I didn't answer the question correctly because. When this all broke, and it was probably, what, eight or nine months ago? I don't remember exactly. I thought, okay, this guy is Anthony Weiner too, done like dinner, get him out, let's move on. And Mm -hmm. nothing's happened. It's moving pretty slowly. I think that's the part that has surprised uh, Mike, glaciers move slowly. This is actually going backwards. Yeah, it seems to be. It seems like they've they've had the goods for a while, but it's obviously politically sensitive and and you could look at it from the perspective of they they're being awfully careful. They want to get everything just right. Um, but yeah, I I don't understand it either. And the longer they wait, you know, the the harder it's going to be to to uh, go after him because with each day you get closer to the election, and then uh, that that makes it more sensitive. So maybe you know, maybe uh, think, yeah maybe he'll I walk. think it's kind of. It's sad, and it's kind of the way of the world, and I think it happens on both sides. But, you know, on my news feed, I get, for the last two years, I get bombed about, oh, New York's close to getting Trump. It's going to go down, this and that and the other thing, and all this sort of stuff that a lot of people wish would happen. But I, 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 I'm, get, I'm becoming cynical enough to think that it's actually just clickbait and that it's just advertising. And they're they're focusing on schadenfreude for people that hate one side of the political spectrum and and writing up stories about what they want to happen when it might not actually be based in fact i I don't know maybe i'm just well each day each day you know it's like we we see something more horrific than the day before so who who knows (sighs) i was hoping for a better answer (laughs) Now, now we've got you know we've got uh, the story that broke about Trump uh, flushing uh, nationally uh, uh, security sensitive documents down the toilet, and um, which does kind of explain you know he went through that period where he kept complaining about how, he, how often he had to flush his toilet, <laughs> and, and now we know it was the documents. <laughs> Everybody thought it was the Big Mac. Yeah, right. So I think McDonald's I, is really relieved that that story had to please McDonald's more than anyone else. 
Let me ask you a question. Do you think he's going to run in 24? What's your, what's your guess? What are your odds? If you were to bet on it, what's the over-under? You know, the interesting thing is I, I just look at it from the betting standpoint. I, I let the uh, the gamblers uh, tell me what what uh, what probabilities are, and right now, the odds are almost exactly the same that a he will uh, get the nomination and b that he'll be indicted. Really? Wow. Yeah. No, I don't. I kind of think maybe both won't happen, but. I don't know. He's it's, that's and again, that's I'm not making. I'm not saying that I, I certainly didn't bet on either of those. But on the on the betting website that uh, that I use a lot, that's pretty much where it stands. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I I, I think the the GOP is they're they're going through some transition right now. It's just they're fighting and they're it's it's kind of crazy. The, whole, you know, normal political discourse thing, and now they're trying to walk that back. It's just, it, it's a weird time. It's a weird time, and it's, it's, you know what, it's a bad time. For politicians, it's a bad time to be a Republican, but it's also a bad time to be a Democrat. So t- tell me why you think that. Well, I think right now it's 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 a hard time for Republicans because, a lot of them, a lot of the ones who are in Congress would would like to separate themselves from Trump, but uh, but they just you know many of them just don't they don't dare. And when when you see what happened last week when when they basically excommunicated uh, Kinzinger and and Liz Cheney, you can kind of see why. But on the other hand, uh, Biden specifically, but the Democrats they're. They're going to be blamed for inflation. Now, I don't think any president, many were accused of it, but I don't think any president ever actually specifically caused inflation because, you know, as, as you know, Doug, being in the car business, inflation, the main cause of inflation is scarcity. And right. nothing exemplifies that more than the car business. Yeah, no, I would say that um, my industry, not that it's mine, that's a little... Uh, too much, but it, it's really one of the big drivers behind all the price hikes we're seeing right now. Uh, right. It's just, it's crazy. And we'll talk about that in the second uh, half of the show. I've got a lot of emails in the last month or two about uh, the listeners talking about how come you guys are selling cars for a window sticker. And I hear they're selling for over that all over the country. So we're going to dive into that in a little bit yeah. and uh, I'll, I'll give you my two cents, but it really is uh, because cars are so expensive, when they go up dramatically, it 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 affects people quite a bit. I mean, they're they're a necessity in this country and ninety ninety five percent of the country. Uh, and when they when they when used car prices jump up thirty or forty percent a year, it does really make a difference. It's not like gas is three twenty a gallon versus two fifty. It's everybody likes to complain about that, but if you do the math, it's like yeah, that's not a lot of money every month, but but cars really is driving a big part of this. Well, what's what's going on at the border isn't going to help either. Which border? Uh, well, the Canadian border. I'm kidding. Good thing they're oh, all trying okay. that stuff in Florida. They'd all be in jail. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah, so there's, uh, there's all sorts of things that are creating more and more scarcity and it creates more inflation, and that sucks. Yeah. 
You know what? Why don't we do this? Uh, because we the, the first hour was pretty long. Why don't we take a quick break here, and we'll when we come back, we'll start talking about dealer markups and dealer franchise laws and all the sort of stuff that people are, are, are suddenly starting to pay attention to because we, because automobiles are really expensive right now. So we'll take a quick break, and we will be right back with more car selling secrets. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. I met the folks from Shift Real Estate last year on our way to Key West and loved their story. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees because they list for a flat fee of $5,000, and that includes photos, MLS listing, online marketing, and the assistance of a full-time realtor. Tell Shift about your home, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more. Shift Real Estate, the common-sense way to sell your home. Visit Shift2Sell.com because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. So, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SaberHeating.com. Ladies and gentlemen, remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the Radio Listener's Special Square, check out this flash sale on the Giza Dream Sheets. It won't be around for long. There are also deep discounts on all other MyPillow products, too. Enter promo code TOM, T-O-M, or call 800-516-5146 for these great radio specials. We are back with Car Selling Secrets uh, from the Intercontinental episode. We have people up in Minneapolis and down on the beach. Hey, uh, Tom, does a certain attorney and his wife happen to be down in Florida right now? Tom? Oh, did he drop off? Let me hold on. No, he's still there. I think he might have left. Oh, wow. Bored him to death. Anyway. I guess so. <laughs> well, I'm, I'll, I'll break right into what we were going to talk about. Andy, can you give everybody the uh, uh, call-in number in case that they have questions and want to call in? I don't have it here at my fingertips. Uh, yeah, that is 561-228-4061. Okay, so this will be a little bit of a history lesson, and it has to do with franchise laws and pricing and window stickers and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, right now we're on almost unprecedented times, although there actually is a, a precedent that we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, because of the chip shortage and uh, the, the, the manufacturers not being able to produce enough cars, prices of new cars and late model used cars have just gone right through the roof. However, the last time this happened was in World War II, and this is a bit of a history lesson. Uh, America, uh, the, the big three, which built 95% of the cars sold in the U.S. in the 40s, and 50s, and 60s, had to sw- 
switch all their production over to the military. So from, I think it was 1941 or two until the war was over, they just stopped building cars altogether. There was no production. So as you can imagine, when the GIs came home, uh, the car business boomed. They had a fair amount of money, and there was the GI Bill that originally was supposed to help people buy houses, although interestingly enough, a lot of people used that to uh, fund uh, higher education uh, degrees, so on and so forth. So the prices of cars went right through the roof, and dealers did whatever they wanted to back then. There was no window stickers on cars, so they would do all kinds of horrible, deceptive things. Like They would enter, advertise a new Pontiac for $2,200 with air conditioning, and the customer would show up and go, oh, okay, this is really great. Where's the air conditioning? Oh, it's in the trunk. Did you want us to install it? It was all these kind of shenanigans, and we're seeing some of that stuff now uh, and back then in the 40s, if you didn't have a late model trade-in, you couldn't buy a new car because the dealer's supply of cars was limited like it is today, and they could make money off the trade-in. So if you didn't have a trade-in, you couldn't buy a car. So fast forward to the late 50s, and uh, Congress decided enough was enough, and a guy named Bill Monroney uh, passed a bill the year I was born, 1958, and that's why the window stickers on cars are called Monroney's. And what that has is all the, it, it, stand, it, it was an attempt to standardize the pricing of new vehicles in the United States. Because prior to that, dealers could just say, this is the price of the car, and there was no point of reference. So, and it, it, really, it shows the MSRP, which stands for Manufacturer's Suggested Real Retail Prices. And for years and years, with a very few exceptions, um, as American consumers, we were used to negotiating off MSRP. We just like, okay, you know, we've got all these rebates. And dealer has to make a discount, or I'm not going to buy. There was, you know, there were more vehicles available than there were customers, and so it's, you know, when you get out of balance like that, then the price has to give at some point. And people like me, our job was to defend the prices as much as we could, but still ultimately sell the cars. The exception to that was in the 80s, which was the last time this sort of thing happened because there were voluntary uh, import restrictions on Japanese uh, built automobiles. So Honda and Toyota and Mazda and Nissan got together and say, okay, we can only import 1 million cars between all five of us this month. Honda, you get this many, so on and so forth. So the dealers had really short supply. And when I started uh, in the import business in the eighties, it was common to have a secondary sticker next to the window sticker called uh, an ADM, which stood for additional dealer markup. And that really was, you know, 500 to two or $3,000 over window stickers. And if people didn't pay that, uh, we would, we would be really cocky and say, get out. Um, I, the first time I met Tom Bernard was at a Mazda dealership. We have different memories of this, but he was looking at a Miata. And back in those days, Miatas were really, really hot. And he wanted a discount. And I, Kind of threw him out of the store because there was a young, cocky sales manager. Tom, are you there? I don't know where he went. Lost them all together. I might have all to right, give well, him I'll a call. Keep... I'm sorry? I might have to give him a call. All right, yeah, make sure he's okay. Yeah, for real. I'll babble on for a couple more minutes, and then uh, we'll open it up to some conversations. Hopefully I'm not boring people with that. So what's going on right now, uh, and Minnesota actually... And it's partly us, but I really have to give the credit to all the other uh, competitive dealers. The Luther organization is great, as is Maury's. Uh, nearly all of us in this state are like, 
this is a long term game. We're not going to sell cars over a window sticker. Um, and for the most part, that's true. Although we do get approached by brokers and dealers from out of state willing to pay that for our inventory, but it's like, you know, we'd rather sell this stuff to people in, in our own market so we can, you know, generate relationships with them, get trade-ins. I mean, this isn't all altruistic. We are trying to generate long-term business strategies, but it, to us, it seems a little bit short-sighted to be uh, taking advantage of inventory shortages. Um, in various markets, you will see all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm on a lot of Facebook car selling groups. Uh, and if you really want to feel bad, uh, good about yourself, just join one of those and then re read what these people are writing. But some of the stuff they're doing, they're charging, you know, $1,000 for nitrogen and tires, uh, $2,000 for window tint, all this sort of stuff. And if you don't buy it, you don't get to buy the car. It's just and, and what's happening is there's there's a growing backlash against dealers that are doing this, and some of it's coming from the factories. Uh, and the dealers have got to be careful because the franchise laws in every state uh, are, are very tilted in favor of uh, uh, automotive dealer rights. They were originally written in the 30s and 40s to protect consumers against the actual manufacturers, and they thought, well, we have know it's control and the dealers are the ones that actually sell the car it'll breed um, competition and that will uh, be a good way to regulate prices but we're at a point right now where people are getting mad about this and, and a lot of them just don't really understand what's going on uh, it's going to be interesting interesting to see what happens so the last thing that I'll, we'll talk about is some of the outliers and they're all the, the up-and-comers well I shouldn't say up-and-comers Tesla is a big automotive deal right now but they are one of the few manufacturers that have eschewed the dealer uh, model system, the franchise system, and are selling cars direct to uh, consumers. Interestingly enough, because the franchise laws are so strong, in many, many states they can't do that. They can, they can sell people cars in New York, but, but people in New York can't pick the Teslas up there. They have to go to another state to get them, so on and so forth. So. It's good. We're in a the automobile business in the United States is is at the beginning of a massive change. And one of the things that will be interesting will to see if the uh, dealer franchise model survives. Um, I, I don't. I, I'm not smart enough to know. Otherwise, I would put money on it and just retire to Mexico, which is where I'm at. So that's what I was going to say. You're not smart enough. There you are. You're back. Yes, I've been indeed. People for the last. 18 minutes. Mike about what? Already, I think he just had to up his meds as a result. I'm sorry about that. What are you, who are you lecturing? The public. No, I've, been, about I, what? I've been getting a lot of emails about how come cars are so expensive and you know, oh, dealer okay. A is, is trying to charge $3,000 over a window sticker and all this sort of stuff. So it was a bit of an explanation about what's going on and then some questions about you know how things are, are going to change in the future. I'm not really sure, but uh, they're not going to stay the way they are forever. I imagine that's true. Is everything else good? Yeah. Where the hell were you? I asked you a I, lot of questions, and you just didn't even answer. Oh, really? Well, there, I, I, I couldn't jump in the middle of what you were doing there, but I just I got a call that I had to take. I think you heard my phone ringing on the air. But I had I had to take a call. It was it was good news, so that's the, that's the good part. It was good news, but I did have to, so I apologize. I did have to take that call. It it's about Andy and Alex's future. Is it super secret good news. 
Well, it's better news for Andy and Alex than it is for me. Let me put it that way. Their future just got a lot brighter, so that's good to know. Well, then. Uh, I think I'm inferring something here, which sounds really good. Uh, so far, so good. Yes, thing, yeah, that part. Well, I, I will tell you, though, honest to God, I'm, I'm going through a period right now that people are driving me insane, this whole. That's why I, I loved have, having this conversation we had earlier, because P, I am so sick of people with this cancel culture and the woke and the, no, we're going to go and storm the Capitol and we're going to do this. Get your head out of your ass and, and go to work and shut up, for Christ's sake. I'm really, really tired of this political climate in America right now. Yeah. I, I am too. I think everybody a is. lot of it makes me laugh. You know, it, it's, yeah. it, I was reading about the, the book banning and all the sort of stuff that's happening in Texas and a few other states. Unbelievable. Like, what are you, if, are you really that stupid? I mean, if you're a 14-year-old kid and somebody says, you can't read Catcher in the Rye, don't you think you can find it online? It's Why can't make you read Catcher? Read stuff. Catcher in the Rye is my favorite book of all time. Tell them to leave it alone. <laughs> they've been banning Catcher in the Rye for decades. Well, Longer they than yeah, I've been no, alive. Right. But, you know, in the old days, when there wasn't the Internet, if they stopped carrying at the library, that's you true. didn't get a chance to read it. Now it's like, yeah, that's well, true. Yeah, I'll <laughs> order this you know, on Amazon for a buck, a dollar ninety nine. It, it's you know going to happen. exactly the opposite of what they want to happen. Right. 20, 20 years from now, all of a sudden, there'll be all kinds of kids, just kids who will be named Holden. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, that's, that's better than Madison, right? Mm-hmm. Tired of that. Well, Dennis Miller did it. Dennis Miller named his kid Holden. Yeah, there you go. Oh, absolutely he did. He's a huge fan of that uh, book, as am I. I love that book. Oh, it's a great book, yeah. I'm just looking uh, I forward to Foggy making a comeback. A lot of us read it in seventh grade. What's that, Mike? You know, yeah. it's a perfect time to read it. Yeah, that's about when I read it, I think. Oh, yeah, yep. No doubt. I had no to reread all that stuff in college because I read a lot of that classic stuff in seventh and eighth grade because I thought it was cool, but I didn't really understand it. And then when I went back and read it when I was in my 20s, I was like, wow, oh, yeah, absolutely. amazing stuff. It's wonderful. There's no doubt. You know, that's what I was trying to. I was trying to make that point. I am really getting tired of this, and maybe you guys can tell me if I'm wrong or not. But I'm getting so tired of that. And it'd be like me stepping up and saying, you know, let me tell you how things should go in Beverly Hills. Because even though I didn't grow up in any place anywhere like that, I know all about it, and I know how to take care of it. Now, it's the same as saying, you know, in the inner city. Let me tell you, you've never even been in the inner city. Back the hell up. And shut up and let the people who've been there tell you this is what the inner city needs, not what you think they need. I'm getting really tired of that argument. I was thinking about that when I thought about the job of the sheriff of Hennepin County. So not only are you the sheriff of Cedar and Riverside, but you also have the water patrol at Big Island and Lake Minnetonka. Yeah. Put on your life jacket. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there it's you go. The first is it could possibly get right. I mean, yep. they're really just total just people from all over the spectrum, and your job is to make sure they don't do anything stupid or hurt themselves or anybody else. Yeah, I just uh, it'd be so not, well. And I look, I blame mostly the news media because the way I describe it, you don't have to use Fox and CNN anymore. Just use arrogant and smug because both of those news channels are worthless now. It's all about yeah, how much money. Internet, too, is driving this. 
Oh, God, yes, Mike. God, yes. What'd you say, Dougie? I said, do you ever watch either of those? I, I personally don't. I, I for minutes. For I, can, I, can, yeah. I can do it for a couple of minutes, Doug, and then I got to leave. They drive me nuts. It's all about money on both channels. That's all they care about is how much money they make. It's like, Jesus, can yeah, you help you know, the I people? I talked to more and more people who have just, uh, have just turned everything off. Good. And, uh, you know, for, and, and these are people from every spectrum, too. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I think that's a good start. <laughs> you still want to uh, know, in my opinion, being a former journalist, I think you still want to know what the heck's going on. Well, let me ask you a question, Mike, and, and Mike could be the, the one on the show I could ask this question of. We grew up with Dave Moore. Dave Moore didn't lie. He told you the news. Correct. He was authoritative. Yeah. He was wonderful. I, I, to grow up around the Don Shelby's and the Dave Moore's and the the Majors brothers and all the rest of it, it wasn't about you know trying to convince you to think their way. They got on and they reported the news, and it, it was wonderful. I will I will for, be forever grateful to those people for that. Yeah, Dave always said, yeah, I call him Dave because I knew him, you knew him, I worked with him, you worked with him. Yep. Um, and, and he always said, you know, I'm I'm not a journalist, I'm an actor. Yeah, well, there you now, go. Now, you'll never hear that from no. other anchors. <laughs> no, you will not. You're right. <laughs> instead, instead, what you see are the promos where they say, you know, I've always loved Minnesota. So when I moved to Minneapolis last week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Precisely. Yeah, that's just tell the tell the story, tell the truth, and go forward with that. Uh, I, I don't have any problem, I, and I give the example, uh, and I love giving this example because well, what do you think? And I said, look, I have a friend who's very liberal. His name is Chad Hartman. I have a friend who's very conservative. His name is Mike Lindell. I think the world to both of them. How am I able to do that since they're so far apart in political views? Because I learn from both of them, and I learn what I do and do not want to know. Right? They're my hey, friends. When you get when you get back to Minneapolis, it, any way that you could have both of them on the podcast at the same time? I would love. See, I would love to do that. Have <laughs> oh, have Chad God. Hartman and Mike Lindell on at the same time. That would be fantastic. But uh, no, I, I just. I, I, my mother was a very, very liberal Democrat. Do you think I hate liberal Democrats? My mother was a liberal Democrat, and I adore that woman, right? Now her first cousin, Lamont Dean, was a Minneapolis cop, and he was very conservative. Loved him, too. I, I don't see why that... Why, Mike, Doug, Andy, why is that such a problem for people to try to get both sides of a, of a story? Why is that a problem? Well, I, my well, I, theory I think... is this, and I thought about this a lot last year, actually the year before during the election, but I think it's because people don't interact face-to-face. -face. They interact yeah, via chat, point. email, text message, so on and so forth. Yep. We had a lot of, down on the dock, we had a lot of heated political discussions because we were about evenly split between lefties and righties. Right. There's a couple of my friends that got so upset, and I said, look, let me get something straight. I'm not crazy about the president. But that doesn't mean that I'm not crazy about you. I think you're a good person. I just don't right. like you. Right. And they all went, okay, that makes sense. But I, but that all gets lost in the digital world. There's no yep. give and take. There's no interaction. Yep. And I think that's what that's really what drives a lot of well, sort of nonsense. Well, what I, what I find has changed is I've, I've always throughout the years I had friends who were Republicans. You know, I've always been a liberal, mm -hmm. a progressive. 
Right. And uh, we we could discuss things. We we did discuss things. We all the time. Sometimes we argued, you know. But but we didn't we didn't end it by saying, you know, you're an asshole, and I'm never talking to you again. <laughs> exactly. But now, now if I talk to someone who's at the other spectrum, with the opposite spectrum from me, uh, and and I'm sure they would say the same thing. Is you know now it's more like don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. You just can't no, talk about this stuff. But the, nobody's going to learn anything. Nobody's going to certainly learn how, how to handle a problem in their private life if they just shut everything off. It's like, well, no, 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 I don't want to hear. Yeah, you do. Right. You need to hear all sides of the issue. I do. I yeah. know that. I don't it's, know. Uh, it's, it's, it looks like, and I, again, it's largely, I think, because, because of the Internet. It's because of the fact that, yes, yes. you know, people now, one thing that's really changed is, is truth doesn't really matter anymore because people have been taught that, uh, that they get to believe whatever makes them feel good. It's about yeah. what makes them feel good. So if there's really? something uncomfortable that maybe challenges their, their biases, their perceptions, their political Weltanschauung, I have to use one German word every week to show sure. that I'm a okay. fair guy. Um, <laughs> Mike, what, what is that word again? That's a, it's the first time I've heard it. Go ahead. Weltanschauung. It's, it's, it's a word that Freud used a lot, as did Hitler, unfortunately. Um, but it just means your, your view of the world, the, the lens through which you see the world. Right. So if it if it challenges, what I'm saying is if you if it challenges, you know that 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 perception you have, then you just decide it's not true because oh, I don't I don't want to feel bad, you know. It's amazing. It is amazing. Are we out, Andy? We can be. I mean, it's up to Doug. No, that's fine. I was just I just looked at my watch. We did go a little bit long, so sorry about that. Nothing uh, wrong with that. We will be back man. next Thursday with another exciting episode of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. I'm signing off from Mexico and heading to the beach. Bye-bye, suckers. <laughs> <laughs>